0: Hi, I'm Annette Rue, and this is Ruminate on That. Hi, everyone. Welcome to part two of Spiritual Whiplash. So how are you doing with the practice of stillness that we talked about? Yep, it's still a struggle for me, too. Have you noticed any other symptoms of Spiritual Whiplash in yourself or maybe in the people closest to you? I've recognized some changes in people since God began to show me this idea. And I've found that when I remember what they have been through, it helps me understand and empathize a little bit. I can, I get why things are just different with them right now. Hopefully it will pass, but it does help to give some context to what they're going through. People around me seem to be a bit more cautious. Not everyone, of course, but overall, I find it really interesting that living through a pandemic has increased the number of homebodies that I know. People that used to love to go explore or get out and do new things are just not as apt to go on a new adventure. It's really interesting. One of my friends who lives in Texas recently, they went through the huge snowstorm and And when I talked to her, she said, I am so sick of living through historic events. And I'm sure that there's a meme out there about that. But isn't that so true? And I find that for many of us, after you go through different waves of this just difficulty that's been happening, you just feel hesitant. Some are also less prone to take initiative. There's more of a let's wait and see what happens kind of mentality. Honestly, many of us are just more self-focused now. The world got really small during shelter in place. And sometimes we get comfortable with drawing back into our own personal bubble. So when we left off in part one, we had started to talk about treatment for this idea of spiritual whiplash. And we began with being still. Stillness gives you a chance to actually feel what just happened and begin to process the thoughts and ramifications of it. We're picking it up from there today and talking about the next step in treatment. The second part of this healing process, according to Mayo, is if you have whiplash symptoms, you need an examination. You need to diagnose the extent of the injury. Do an examination. What I love about this as God was showing me some things about this idea, it was start by examining yourself. And I think that's the first thing you do after you've had an accident. You stop and it's like you're just checking what has happened to me. Am I okay? In our shock, we have to stop and look at ourselves first and and figure out what is hurting, what what just happened. What's the damage? And God calls us to that. Start by examining yourself. What is the story you're telling yourself? That's something that I've heard a couple leaders use recently that I've been listening, books I've been reading. What is the story you're telling yourself? I think that's a great element of self-examination, is looking at your own thoughts. What am I telling myself just happened and why it happened and what my role in it is? A lot of times the answer to that question is, oh, I did something wrong. Or God is angry at me. I knew it. I've not been living the way I should. I didn't follow through on this thing that I said I was going to do. And now this has happened. Or I must have heard him wrong. I thought that this is what he told me to do. I, I must have missed it. And then if you are still an explorer and you don't yet have that trusted relationship with God, think, when things like this happen, you wonder. You second guess it completely. It could even make you fearful who is this God that I'm trying to get to know? Is he angry? We suspect I'm not good enough for this. And then when things happen like that, then we're convinced. I knew it. I'm not good enough for this. In 2 Corinthians 13, Paul is talking to this church in Corinth. They've been struggling. They've been struggling with questions and doubting. They're actually wondering if Paul is the real deal does he actually represent Jesus? Is he actually speaking the truth? He's been with them multiple times. And so he's coming back to them and saying, guys, in verse five, he says, examine yourselves to see if your faith is genuine. Test yourselves. Surely you know that Jesus is among you. If not, you have failed the test of genuine faith. This was hard for me in thinking about what I had been through if I can get past the story of I must have done something wrong, I must have missed it. And, and after time, I got past that part. But then I come to a test of faith. Wow, that doesn't seem merciful. That doesn't seem kind to me. When I hear that I hear that God loves me and God wants the very best for me. And I, I hear that. And then these things happen. And I read when Paul is talking to the church in Corinth, who's struggling with doubts and questions. That's me. I'm struggling with doubts and questions. This is a common human problem that applies to all of us. And he says, examine yourself to see if your faith is genuine. At first blush, that's hard for me. Really? This is a test. (laughs) that's, That's what happens in my mind. But here's the reality that I know from living life, from following Jesus And seeing his goodness come through time after time after time, when I'm going through a difficult time, it squeezes whatever is inside me out. As that, I don't know, that people refer to this. If you squeeze an orange, you're going to get orange juice. If you squeeze a grape, you're going to get grape juice. Whatever's in there is going to come out when it's squeezed. And that's a classic idea. When these trials, these traumatic things happen that bring life to this abrupt stop, we get squeezed and whatever is inside comes out. So let's look at what's inside. What What is coming out after this squeezing experience? After this trauma has broken some things open in your life and stuff is oozing out? What is oozing out? Because it was already in there. It's not like it just happened because of this. The trauma, the difficulty, the trial... Whether it was because of your consequences or it was because of something completely beyond your control, still shows what was inside you. And then I have to decide this is an opportunity. Am I going to examine it and be honest with myself? Do a, an honest self examination? Am I going to look at it and go, okay, is my faith strong? Do I actually believe what I say that I believe? Or in these moments, does it show that I don't really trust God the way I say I do? That the songs that I sing in church, I'm not so sure I'm fully on board with that. And we can get discouraged when we look at that stuff. If you find yourself in a place that my faith is not as strong as I thought it was going to be, you can get discouraged by that and you can condemn yourself. And I get that. It's the mind game that we're always going to deal with. Or you can decide this is an opportunity And I'm thankful to see an honest assessment of where I actually am. The next phase of the treatment is to run some tests. We all know that your doctor is going to need to order several tests to see what's going on inside, especially with something like whiplash. You can't see it from the external. You can't see it from the outside. There's all these cool scans we have now to see what's going on inside. And what's so interesting about this is those scans reveal all the injury that's happening there and in a lot of cases there isn't as much as that they can do for whiplash there's not as many actual physical treatments it's a very slow process of rest and in some cases therapy and here's what the reality of therapy and another correlation that really clicked for me was that a healing from an injury can often be just as painful if not more, than the injury itself. That's hard. If you've ever been through physical therapy um, for any reason, an injury or surgery or something, you know that that process of physical therapy and rebuilding strength and allowing the muscles and tendons to heal is so painful. And, And it requires great discipline and fortitude to stick it out. And I think that that really rings true when something like this happens as well when there's been a traumatic experience in life small or big however you define it that it's very common that the process of healing from it can be just as difficult as initially experiencing the impact of it and here's the reality that I've come to accept and actually now after years I've come to appreciate is that my comfort is not God's top priority. My character is. Character is what matters in the long term. Character is what makes me a good wife and a good mom. It's what makes me a lover of people, someone that is a genuine friend. That's character. Character is what makes me successful in my career, is having character and doing what I say I'm going to do and being who I say I am. Comfort is not the top thing in the mind of God when he looks at us. It's our character. And character is only proved by testing. In Isaiah 48.10, we have an example of this testing process. Behold, I refined you, but not as silver. I've tried you in the furnace of affliction. Another translation of that says, I have tried you in the furnace of suffering. Ooh, that does not sound like something I want to choose. Along with rest, the theme of suffering is really prevalent in scripture, and we don't really love to talk about that. But in suffering, God comforts us. The Holy Spirit is also called the comforter. He comforts us, but he also, through suffering, tests us and tries us and allows it to purify us. What's so good about God is even some of the suffering that I go through is because of my own decisions, the consequences of my own actions. And even in that, God takes it and uses it to purify what's who I am and the character that's inside of me, the person I am becoming. Psalm 6610 is another example of that. You've tested us, O God. You've purified us like silver. And then in 1 Peter in the New Testament, in seven says, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. It's being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. This is another theme that we see throughout scripture is that these tests and these trials are going to come. During this process of recovery, God is going to run some tests and it's up to us to Submit to those tests and honestly look at where we are before anyone goes from one grade to the next in our education system. You have to go through a lot of tests because it's an important way to evaluate and assess, have I gained what I needed to gain from this season in order to prepare me to keep going on to the next one? And I believe that it's possible. It's been a powerful reminder for me that even in the things that happen that seem unfair, that seem are out of my control, not by my choice, that it can serve as a test to prepare me, help me evaluate, assess, and examine where I'm at so that I can move on to a new season. So as we wrap this up in this idea of experiencing a traumatic event that has flipped the world upside down, left us laying flat on our back, looking up and going, what happened? In the place of stillness that God calls us to, we don't need to rush through it. God does not push us quickly through that process. There's a couple things that I want to propose to you that we may need to recognize so that we can actually move forward from this place and begin to ask God to help us do something with it. I don't know about you, but whether I chose this, whether this consequence, whether this is a consequence of my own actions or whether it's something that was beyond my control and it happened to me, I don't want it to be wasted. I don't want it to allow me to get stuck in this place. I don't want to be defined by it for years. I want to understand it. I want to grieve. I want to heal. And I want to move forward. And I want to be different because I've walked through it. There's two things that I think we should recognize. We need to recognize the reality that trials are going to come. These traumatic experiences, big and small, are very real. And it won't be the last time. If you look back over your life, we can all tell the story of the painful things that have happened. Suffering and lament are not popular topics And they certainly do not align with the common American dream. But here's the thing. The Bible does not shy away from them. Almost one-third of the Psalms are laments. We are warned several times in the New Testament, too, that trials are going to come. Paul talks about it throughout the book of Romans. James talks about it in the letter that he wrote. John talks about it in his gospel. There are many biblical examples of people that were following God doing the things that they knew they were supposed to do. And then, boom, something happens. Tragedy strikes or a completely unexpected twist in the plot of their lives happens. And they find themselves in this place of going, what do I do now? What just happened? And then in first Peter chapter four, he gives this caution for us. It's like a word of instruction It's like, heads up, friends, this is something I want you to know. And in verse 12, he says, dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad for these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering. Here's the thing that I want to pause and say, if you are a follower of Jesus, this, this passage is speaking to us. Don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through as if something strange was happening. Now, not all trials that happen to us are because we are following Jesus. Not everything is associated with that. Some things are associated with the fact that we are in relationship with broken people. And so sometimes their brokenness causes things to happen and it impacts us and hurts us. I recognize that. I'm speaking right now to those of us that are followers of Jesus and this is not the only time that we're cautioned with this. It's, it's said so many times in the New Testament. Don't be surprised at the fiery trials. You are going to have difficulty. We can be angry about that and frustrated about that. Or we can acknowledge that it's the truth. We live in a world that is flawed. We're in it with millions of other people that are just as imperfect as we are. And because of our imperfection, because of our struggle to do what's right, because of our struggle to understand how to care for each other and love each other and our failure in doing that so often, we are going to experience pain. It's just a fact. And I think understanding that does help somewhat. It doesn't mean I'm watching and looking for it at every turn, but I think it's an important reality check we can give ourselves. So let's recognize and acknowledge that reality. Trials are going to come. And then the second thing I would call us to recognize is that God doesn't waste anything. This is so, this brings me so much hope. Even in the trials and the traumas, if we let him, God doesn't waste anything. If we go back to 40, Psalms 46:10, the very first part of this idea of spiritual whiplash that I, I read this, be still and know that I am God. I think the question comes to, do you know God like that? You can't just will yourself to trust someone in that way. It's got to be a de- relationship that's been developed, someone that you've come to know and understand, you see their character. It's just like a relationship with someone else. I I am married to an amazing human being. He's incredible. I trust him completely. He is very, he's flawed, just as flawed as I am. We have been married almost 18 years and now see our differences and see each other's flaws very clearly. We're, We're over the honeymoon phase long, long ago. But I trust him, even in his imperfection. And he trusts me even when i have those days where my imperfection causes hurt to him and causes him to feel rejected or or go through something painful there's still this place of trust that we go back to because this relationship has been established and we have and we have been intentional to connect with each other and sometimes i think that we make having a relationship with god overly mysterious If you know how to develop a friendship, then you know how to pursue a relationship with God. The same muscles are required. But the cool thing is God will do most of the heavy lifting in that relationship. And there's a lot of similarities, but the relationship with God goes to a whole deeper place and it has all these amazing aspects to it that we'll spend our life discovering. As we wrap up part two of Spiritual Whiplash, I hope I've covered some things that could be beneficial for you or someone you love. I pray that it's given some language to help you explain what you're going through. As a final word of caution, I wanna say, be careful about allowing resentment to creep in as you're healing. No matter the circumstances, it's so easy to feel like you've been robbed or something unfair has happened. And listen, while that may even be true, the application of blame doesn't change the depth of the injury. It happened to me. So now I need to take responsibility for how I'm going to respond and seek healing. The trial doesn't have to become the headline of your life. The hard stop is not your story. It's just a chapter. Where do you go from here? and we can't be alone in this healing process. We need others to navigate all the twists and turns that are gonna come. A godly counselor has been a huge help to me over the years of screen door moments. Friends and mentors who have strong faith have literally carried me at times. Find those people, connect with a life-giving church and share what you're going through. But the most important step to wholeness is to know the great physician himself. His name is Jesus Christ. Draw close to him. Take time to sit with him and let him examine your life and teach you. I'm so thankful for his healing touch. I'm living it right now. As you take a couple minutes to ponder today, know that I'm praying for your healing too. See you soon. mm mm-hmm.